Welcome to the Black Cast. It is I, Christian Blatt, at Christian DMZ. Gotta get my plug in early because I'll often forget. Don't forget, at Blackcast on Twitter, like the Blackcast on Facebook, and of course, joined as always by Captain EO, Jeff DeRay himself, at Jeff DeRay. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm starting to think that there's a problem with this Will Sterling fellow. He moseys on over when he wants to once in a while, and then uh, we don't see him for a while. I think he's big time, but the problem is that I'm not riding his coattails, yeah. and that's a problem. That is definitely a problem. He's definitely big time in us, but he's not taking us along. But somebody who will never get too big for the black cast, the one, the only, Carl from New Hampshire himself, Carl Zahn. Carl, you'll always consider the black cast to be part of your Zontourage, correct? Well, as you said, uh, Christian, one thing for sure, I'll never be too big as my celebrity status is in a permanent state of shrinkage. <laughs> so you're right. I'll never too, I'll never be too big for the black cast. Right. And yet, uh, before we started recording, when we were testing the connection and whatnot, uh, you seem to have some questions about things that sort of betrayed the notion that maybe you're not as up-to-date on the black cast as some would have assumed. Well, no, you're asking me. You seemed uh, shocked and, frankly, put out a little bit that I wasn't totally familiar with After Buzz TV 2 or probably, well, you've already assumed I don't have a tattoo. <laughs> I wasn't questioning After Buzz like I'd never heard of it. I just didn't get the reference After Buzz. Right. It's well, a term I'm not familiar with. Well, it is indeed the uh, stop I'm, time I'm after you get after buzzed. Glow. Did anything like Afterglow? Afterglow, you mean something that followed the glorious ladies of wrestling? Exactly. Yeah, uh, Afterglow is uh, is is really a prime time for for the ladies of wrestling. But uh, no, Afterbuzz is a network of shows that basically wrap up. TV shows, you know, other shows. There's one on TV called The Talking Dead that's about The Walking Dead. I don't watch that because I don't like zombies. But so it's it's on your computer. You can download it. And the studios are, I'm basically a friend of the family is the best way to look at it. And I have a couple shows on the network. And they're kind enough to loan us some studio time because it's the only studio that we have access to right now. Isn't that true, Jeff? Yeah, uh, just read the undertones of, I was fired and suck at life. So now we don't have yeah. anywhere to record. Yeah, Jeff is a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not that far off. So uh, <laughs> here we are groveling for time and begging the one and only Carl Zahn to uh, grace us with his presence. And we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy New Hampshire schedule. What were you doing before you made this connection? This I'm using air quotes, this call with us. Well, as I uh, mentioned off the air, I was so relieved to find out that you couldn't see me because I thought Skype was always automatically uh, visual. And what you would see is me in my cluttered uh, personal little office space here, tiny office, and doing book work, uh, entering stuff into my handwritten ledger. So... Will this handwritten ledger one day be introduced as Exhibit A and the word manifesto festooned upon it? No, they're more likely to surface in an IRS audit. <laughs> um, 
you know the you know the staples here in town has to special order these double entry ledgers for me <laughs> but i'm sure you know everybody knows your name at the local staples wouldn't, wouldn't you know they? you know there's an old houghton mifflin warehouse in milwaukee <laughs> that still has 11 of these left and you know a guy there who can uh, get it for you for the low low price of 1995 i do yeah. oh. well okay. carl now there was a little recap before the episode started, sort of reminding our listeners of the last time you were supposed to be on the Blackcast, which was which was Blackcast number two hundred. You know, we had a lot of great friends of the Blackcast that were present, connected, somehow contributing to the show. I mean, we we had we had Gene from Philly. We had uh, Gene Simmons. We had yeah, other breaking, people. Breaking my heart. We had other people not named Gene. Uh, you know, Matt and KC was kind of hard to get a hold of, but uh, we, we did get him eventually. And we tried just as hard. Uh, you can tell I didn't bring the bell today because Ding. I said, yeah, I know. Uh, which we'll, we'll get to the uh, afternoon I've had at some point. But we really efforted to get the one and only Carl's on to be a part of the show, but we were unsuccessful. So for the sake, I, I'm very well familiar with what happened and you and I discussed it on your radio show, but why don't you tell hashtag Blackcast Nation what happened that day of Blackcast well, 200? I'd, I'd be more than happy to recap for you. And by the way, uh, when you get less busy trashing me over this event, as a young parent, you'll start paying attention because your life is on the cusp of becoming one of these events after the other. Uh, so, yeah, after much arduous planning between you and I, uh, I guess about a month or so ago, we, uh, you know, I we had the landline, we had our times nailed down, everything was uh, synchronized like a uh, Venezuelan space launch. And 10 minutes before you were supposed to call, my daughter informed me that uh, she didn't have her homework on a Sunday night. <laughs> and uh, so I had rushed out to see if she had left it at her friend's house where we had just been or if it was in my car or in the trunk or if I had run over it in the driveway. And uh, naturally, in the interim, you called. Uh, my daughter, Marlena, answered. And, of course, uh, you know Marlena personally, but I won't go into that on the air. No, but I know her in the sense that uh, she has a father who will be unnamed who was doing some poor parenting and refusing to take her to the M&M store when she was in New York, which uh, longtime listeners of the Black Cats and the Dennis Miller show know how that ended up. And I believe that you were indeed bullied into taking her to the M&M store, no? Yeah, it wasn't that I was refusing. I was just about 800 bucks shy of the entry fee over there. <laughs> so the night of the night of the Blackcast, and by the way, I was so looking forward to the interview with Gene and all the uh, some of the old pals there. My daughter answers the phone. Uh, I only understand bits and details from you and her that that did not go well. And when I came rushing through the door, panting, hoping I hadn't missed your call or that you hadn't called yet. She just told me that someone from the black cast had called. <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah, well, that was the odd thing. That was how we were celebrating the 200th black cast was, of course, we were all in blackface. Except for Ken, who was in whiteface. Yeah, which was interesting, actually. That was a that was a bold choice, but we appreciated his dedication mm -hmm. to the cause. So little I, tip I, of the cap to the Wayans. <laughs> 
and you know what's funny, Christian? Before it dawned on me that she was actually trying to tell me the Blatt cast had called the poor kid. I admonished her, uh, my knee-jerk reaction. Of course, I reminded her we're Trump supporters and we don't speak to black people. On the <laughs> but she knows now, right? I'm sure that that's, that's not a problem at, at this She point. does know now. And can I tell you, speaking of uh, Trump supporters, uh, and you'll again, you'll love this story as a, as a parent. So... My daughter's fifth grade teacher sends me an email one day uh, with pictures of my daughter's lunch and uh, admonishing me for not packing her a healthier lunch. There were uh, M&Ms and uh, candy and olives. Olives are good for you. Yeah. But she had this. She had a picture of my daughter's lunch. Of uh, you know, as if it was uh, <laughs> they had emptied the pockets of a murderer at a crime scene, and here's what they found. And at the end, the teacher says, she told me that she couldn't eat her lunch today because she was going to a Trump event tonight. <laughs> so, you know me, uh, right through the looking glass on that one, I saw Teachers Union and Trump in the same sentence. And uh, I sent the, the teacher a, a scathing email about not singling my daughter out. And by the way, we did have VIP tickets that night to the Trump event. It was the night before the election. Uh, we were sitting right behind Trump in Manchester, and my five-year-old daughter was seen around the world yelling, build the wall and lock her up. <laughs> so she's very popular at her, at her school, is what you're trying to tell yes. me, especially yes, as, the, as the one Trump supporter. She will likely be in the next video you see of someone getting uh, beaten to death by uh, but she'll be she'll be doing the beating is what you're saying. You know, oh, you bet she's you will. she's tough. Because you, you have what, twenty three kids, so she's had to grow up pretty fast and be pretty tough if she wants to survive. If she wants to get that pork chop, she has to be you know, she has to have sharp elbows, as they say. Yeah, and by the way, it's twenty two documented. The twenty third <laughs> of the DNA results are still out. But here's the thing, you're you're prepared to keep him in your home as long as he pays some rent, right? Or any other kind of, you know, swap for room and board. Now, uh, you know, it's I think it's funny that you know I obviously always give you a hard time about uh, some some of the interactions with your children, especially the M and M store, because that that was very funny. And I think that to some extent, perhaps my uppins had come, as they say, and uh, someone was playing a bit of a cosmic joke on me. You know, not everyone who listens to the Black Cast believes in our Lord and Savior, Liev, so I'll just let it be whatever deity they pray to. But um, let's just say that it's been a very interesting last 90 minutes for me. I am uh, wearing completely different clothes than I was before then, because we left my son, Felix, adorable little tyke that he is, down with my wife's parents in Orange County. It's a little bit less than an hour away. He had a great time. He's in great spirits when we put him in the car. And, you know, we drive home. Doesn't take a particularly long time. You know, there's a little little bit of traffic. Go figure. It is Southern California. There was a little traffic. And, uh, you know, he starts crying. He's, he falls asleep. He starts crying in his sleep. That's a weird thing because he doesn't usually really do that. Not that babies don't do that. That's just not his thing. And we're like, all right. So my wife gave him some water. That seemed to calm him down. And we finally get home. He's, he's relatively calm at that point. And as soon as the car stopped and I'm trying to get him out of his car seat, he throws up all over me. And himself. And the car seat. And the car. Oh, you know, you didn't get thrown up on my wife. So 
All right. But my wife did the hard task of she had to give him a bath and, you know, I had to clean up the car and I'm doing all this stuff. And I, you know, get myself a little bit more presentable. I make the car more presentable. My wife also had to go back and do a better job of that than I did because apparently I got the chunks of food, but not everything. Just wanted to be a little bit overly descriptive to be more horrific in the account. Can I just just, uh, have one question? Sure. Cloth interior or leather? Uh, the it's it, it's like fake leather interior in the car. Cloth car seat, very easily taken out and thrown in the washing machine where it is now. And before I continue with my story, Jeff has a question. I just imagine it being a lot like the chewing tobacco scene in Sandlot. Not entirely <laughs> dissimilar. Uh, also, if you've ever seen Monty Python's Meaning of Life, when it is just indeed wafer thin. Uh, whatever he had is the last item he ate. It was wafer thin. So, you know, and it doesn't seem like he's sick. I, I think maybe there was a combination of car sick. Grandma and Grandpa probably gave him too much food. Um, that's probably a part of it. But it it was unseasonably warm, which, Carl, you don't want to hear that. But he was, probably, he was dressed for yesterday where it was 60, and today it's like 80. Again, I know you don't want to hear that. So... We get him a little bit more presentable. You know, my wife uh, has to clean up my cleanup, which was substandard. Not because I wasn't trying, just I'm no, incapable. That's the proper teamwork. Yeah. You go in, you get the major stuff out, <laughs> and then she, with her, like, you know, little detailed-oriented self, can go and take out yeah. the rest of the garbage. So I get him dressed, and, you know, we're in his room, we're playing and whatnot, and uh, then I realize, oh, somebody filled his diaper. So, uh, in the space of probably less than an hour, I dealt with two orifices, and I was just thinking, I'm like, well, I'm so glad I'm talking to Carl today, because, Carl, you probably can't count the number of days you had that were like, like, this story is probably not even mildly noteworthy to you. I was going to say, like, this is not even tipping the Richter scale, my friend, okay? (laughs) This is like boot camp. But... I say this story, especially because Jeff is here, because I'm trying to teach him a valuable lesson, and that valuable lesson is pull out. Mm. So I think he, he actually wrote that down on a, on a little yellow legal pad. No, no. This is a outline for a tattoo. <laughs> and, and it will indeed say yeah. pull out. In case I get into <clears throat> any type of uh, Guy Pierce can't remember anything for <laughs> at past the last 10 minutes, I got to always have that always right have here on my hand. Always have pull out on your hand. Yeah. So... Anyway, Carl, I know that it's hard. Yeah, look, there'll be greater traumas than that. But Felix is a fairly easygoing kid and not that difficult to raise. There's not a lot of instances like this. This was just a particularly dramatic moment, especially we were only going to be home for a little bit before I had to head over to the studio for the podcast. So I thought, I'm like, Carl's going to laugh at me in the way that I had to deal with this, but also because why am I even complaining? Am I right in all of this assessment? Well, but Christian, he's what, a year and a half, two years old? He uh, He's uh, 17 months. 17 months, a year and a half. I wasn't too far off. You were not. This is this is the fun part, my friend. That's this true. This is the fun part. After about three or four or five years old, the cuteness starts to wear off. All the other stuff comes into play. It finally culminates in their teenage years where, you know, invariably with a boy you're going to have uh, – drug issues, police calls, all kind of uh, drama with women. It is frigging endless. So just enjoy these, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek fun events. 
Now, my son Dominic, who you also met, or through you know through the we, airwaves, we spoke, we spoke through the radio. Yes. Yes, on Dominic's ninth birthday, as uh, one of my favorite stories, we had about twelve kids over the house and uh, 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 some family in-laws from New Jersey, hysterical Italians, and we were going outside after dark, summertime, to uh, you know roast marshmallows on a little uh, campfire. So the boys go over to the edge of the woods, and they're getting themselves a stick off the tree. And all of a sudden, I hear a lot of buzzing and hysterical screaming, probably about what the attack in Nice, France sounded like. Well, the kids get into an underground bee, like yellow jacket nest, where, well, we had about 112 bee stings that night. Some kids swelling up, having difficulty breathing. Parents were coming, ambulances. I was delivering half-naked children wrapped in blankets. And um, nobody died, but that was Dominic's ninth birthday. Well, that sounds like fun. I, how did you top it for his 10th birthday? Anybody get their stomach pumped? Uh, for his 10th birthday, we uh, did alligator wrestling. <laughs> At what point did the birthday party stop where you're just like, no, no, it's too much trouble, really? Well, you know, Joe the Rogan's part, this year's the, theme. The best part was probably the next day going out to the backyard and picking up socks and underwear that still were full of bees. <laughs> and uh, it was just a complete nightmare. Um, but, you know, you'll also find the flip side of that, being a parent. When you're the parent who brings your kid to a birthday party and, and your kid gets like five or six or seven bee stings. Yeah. And then you're going to either want to sue or kill the people who hosted the birthday party. I, I, had, I had parents that night who, who literally uh, thought I was evil incarnate, that we had somehow allowed this to happen. That you allowed bees to do what bees do. Yeah, exactly. Well, but how dare you? children's lives in jeopardy, as it were. Oh. But can I tell you something, Christian? You can always tell me something, Carl. The thicker jungle you're going to have to navigate raising a kid in this age. Yeah. Uh, I took my daughter last uh, week to see the movie Sing. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, I, ha I yes. haven't had a chance well, to okay, see it this, this is an animated movie uh, mm -hmm. about uh, a chipmunk or something that has a theater, and they have a singing contest to raise money to save the theater. And uh, in it, there's a family of gorillas and the gorillas are kind of soprano-esque. They're the criminal element in the animal kingdom. And, uh, well, wouldn't you know that all over Twitter and all over the news is big rage that the movie Sing is racist. Now, now, why do they think the movie Sing is racist? I don't think I well, follow because, the well, narrative. Well, I'll tell you why, Christian, and I'm glad you asked, because all the animals, namely gorillas, that were depicted as criminal types or being in trouble with the law were darker than the other ones. So like, the one a fucking cartoon. <laughs> so the ones that were the criminal gorillas were the darker gorillas. Yes. But the so lighter skinned gorillas were the ones that were chosen to go to Harvard and Yale. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. You've got the, you know, here it is in a nutshell. So, you know, this is the world now that we live in. So I have to tell my 11 year old daughter, Trump supporter daughter, uh, <laughs> You know, she has so many secrets. Not only can you not let anyone know that we're a Trump-supporting family, but probably best not to tell your teachers or friends that we went to see the movie Sing. 
Or at least be prepared to pretend how outraged you were by the movie Sing, you know? How- Let's just say that going to see the movie Sing is loosely parallel to attending a KKK meeting. <laughs> It's about the same. You know, as we talked about that story, and and Jeff will understand the sentiment behind this, it made me miss Liev for a moment because I felt like he would have had something to say that only he could say. And, you know, none of the rest of us could get away with saying because you remember Liev, Carl. He was kind of like the Archie Bunker type, you know? He said said what nobody's thinking, but he thinks you're thinking, so he feels like he can get away with it. You know, that guy. The other problem with Liev is on those rare occasions when he did have something uh, epiphanal to say, he would probably be hitting the wrong button when he said it. <laughs> that was, yeah, he heard some great content that uh, no one at home ever heard. So uh, as you were watching the movie Sing, before you knew about the hate-filled undertones of the film, did you find it enjoyable? Because I feel like at this point, if you're watching any entertainment, it's suited for an 11 to 20 year old am i correct with that assumption it is but i entertain myself with these films as you will learn to do too by uh i kept coughing like this during the whole movie (laughs) 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 and you made some new friends that way yeah, I did. Now, you know, I alluded earlier to the fact that uh, you have a radio show, and uh, right after the election, I was on for I don't know, I was on for a while. We did a we did a few segments. Uh, yeah, I remember there was, was a, a there was a real show. there was a really oh, long yeah. break. There was it's like it was one of those. Hey, I'll call you back in ten minutes, and I, I wasn't quite sure what happened during those ten minutes, but. Uh, well, as, as a radio producer uh, and a producer, former producer of the Dennis Miller show, I'm sure you can understand better than anyone the undue stress of me doing an hour and a half a week yeah oh no believe me you know if there's anyone who could understand that uh it it would be dennis i don't think he i think he would break into hives at the notion of doing an hour and a half of of radio a week and kidding me (laughs) you see that barn and but you uh do you usually have your kids with you? Because I know that the time I was there, you had kids there. And then you mentioned I was unable to call in a couple weeks ago. But you also had a kid there that day, too, right? That was someone else's kid that I don't know. Oh, okay. No, I don't usually have kids with me, Christian. I don't even know what perverted subliminal message you're trying to put out there. I did have Dominic with me last week, and he'll be in again this Friday before he heads back to college. Since he is a sports management uh, and uh, sports broadcasting major, I think those are two great majors. Those seem uniquely specialized. You know, I I yes, I went into college. Oh God, I, I graduated almost twenty years ago just to make myself feel terrible. I said it out loud, and I don't think there were even there were sports management or sports broadcasting majors at that point. Now I do have a communications degree, a broadcasting degree, as it were. You know, I have a radio TV film degree from the great Marist College, Harvard on the Hudson, as no one calls it. Uh, Mattress College, better known amongst the Dutchess County populace. But I don't think we had a a sports management or even specifically sports broadcasting. Jeff, you... And there's a a reason why, Christian. There's a reason why. In fact, when Dominic first decided to go to school and picked a school and uh, started talking about majors, I told him, I said, look, if I'm going to be spending 80 grand a year in tuition, please pick a career that's as fucking obscure 
so that getting a job in that field when you leave college will be akin to threading a fucking needle, (laughs) (laughs) a needle 2,000 miles away. It's not hard enough getting a job when you get out of college now. Pick something really obscure like sports management and sports broadcasting. Now, I want to go back to uh, our friend Jeff here because he graduated college much more recently than I did, as he's always quick to point out. Mm-hmm. And did and you have some kind of communications broadcasting degree, right? Yeah, I've got a bachelor's in arts with a focus in visual media arts. Right. Now, was a sports management, sports broadcasting, was that an option they at Emerson? Yeah, they definitely had oh. broadcast journalism and that kind of stuff. I don't know if sports was a specific thing right. because that's kind of like a niche of it. Yeah, because broader... we didn't we weren't quite so niche oriented. You know, ours was basically, look, you can direct an Oscar winning picture or you might be you might be a, a page for the seven o'clock news. You I, know, it, it just covered everything. It's like you should be able to do all of it after four years of our well, listen, communications. Given school. the fact that HGTV just uh, just passed CNN in the ratings, I would think that the best major right now would be flipping fucking houses and having some <laughs> dopey TV show about stripping wallpaper and ripping two by fours out of the wall. Are you kidding me? Do you think that how many people are watching? other people's homes being renovated and finding that so fascinating. Well, it's easier than renovating your own home, but also is HGTV having that kind of success in the ratings? Does that say more about HGTV or see the quality of programming at CNN? I don't know the answer. That's for, that's for other people to decide. I just ask the hard questions. And again, if we had the bell there, man, but you know, Carl, when I spoke with you on your radio show, you had talked about, as you've mentioned here in, on our little chat thus far, that you're a uh, Trump supporter. And how? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff wasn't listening <laughs> during that part. But talk about how you feel like it's really gotten to a point that you, as a stand up comedian, it's just better to not do any kind of political material. Uh, we, I thought we had a good chat about that when I was on your show, and I wanted to kind of revisit that for our friends listening on the Blackcast. Yeah, I, I have definitely found, I would say, in the last probably two years, give or take. And, I mean, I never had any problem working around Boston, Massachusetts, New England doing And, you know, I was kind of an equal opportunity uh, comedian as far as politicians go. But it has gotten so ridiculous with, uh, I, well, look, if you want to go up and just do jokes about Republicans and conservatives, you'll be fine. Because Republicans and conservatives don't recoil in the audience at, at you picking fun at their people. But if you start picking on liberal people and, and Democrats, uh, I, I found that uh, it could turn a room off the minute I got there. And for what I'm doing... Uh, it just wasn't worth the price. It wasn't worth the price. And I think that's one of those things that people maybe make assumptions about New England is that it, it is, in fact, a you know very liberal place. And it's not that that isn't very strongly represented. But there are plenty of conservatives out there. And I think a comedy club would be a perfect example of where you would get a mixture, right? So it's – is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it is, and I think a lot of it depends on what's going on at the time. I mean, if you go out in the middle of something like the riots in Ferguson or the latest melee, you know, it just seems like things were extra frosty, as uh, Dennis would say. But 
if things had calmed down. I mean, I did a gig right after the election and joked about uh, the outcome of the, of the election and uh, the prospect of being, you know, Trump's press secretary, that I'd rather be a wing walker for a blind pilot with Tourette syndrome. Um, <laughs> and, you know, everyone was fine with it. And that was in Massachusetts. But I look at the way it is right now, and uh, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, Sometimes it seems like it can send a room flat right off, but to me it's just not. I'm there to make the crowd laugh, please the crowd, you know. As uh, the great Jay Leno used to say, right? Write joke, tell joke, get checked. It's true. And, uh, if, you know, and then, of course, his plan was to never cash that check. You know, he, uh, yes, he's, he's still well. amassing it in the bank. And he's like, you know, eh, you know I'll get to it one day. I might, you know, I might need it. And how much how often are you going up doing stand up these days? Is it is it still at lots of laughing at lots of laughs in Andover Mass? Uh, well, that... I don't just work there, although I know you like to think that and do dishes there, but I'm doing pretty much just Saturday nights now. I gave up working both nights every weekend. It's just too much right now. And I'm picking and choosing what I do and the bookers that I work for. It's kind of to known gigs, known places and uh I don't know. I guess I'm getting a little bit pussified about it. But uh the radio's uh, more predictable, and uh, that's enjoyable for me. So that kind of, you know, fills that needy hole that we all have. H O L E. Yes. You do knew you that. do you find that being on the radio has helped the the stand up in any way in terms of you know just helping yeah, you I work mean, out material and also getting getting booked more, or is it about the same really? I think it's about the same. I mean, I think the reason I like radio is the same reason you guys like it. It's just kind of a mental workout. It kind of helps keep you sharp. And there's no question it helps book gigs and helps with the publicity and all that stuff. But I just like, uh, I like the workout, you know? No, I, I definitely understand that. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, if, you, if you look at the download numbers for the Black Cast, I mostly do this for myself. And unfortunately, you know, people like you and Jeff get dragged into it. But, you know, I appreciate it. It helps. You know, look, you can't play doubles tennis by yourself, although we're still one short. But, you well, know. And it, it's, uh, it's fun to do, you know. So sometimes you do stuff for fun and you keep doing it and you persevere and a door opens. And uh, who knows? Maybe someday the masses find out about the Black Cast. Hey, can I ask you something totally off topic? Please. I didn't realize there was a topic, but sure, go ahead. <laughs> you know, actually, you're right. There isn't. Hey, if you were Megan Kelly yeah. and, you were, and you were making $15 million a year and then you turned down, a, I guess, Fox offered her $20 million to stay. Yeah. I don't know if you saw her Friday night on her last show. She wore a fucking dress that looked like something out of a German snuff film from the fucking 40s, <laughs> like something Mike Myers and Dieter would have fucking dreamed up. I mean, who the fuck picked out that dress on your last show? I don't know. It maybe like It was like a black and white triangle. Maybe Roger Ailes picked it out. You know, it was it was the the one that he always wanted to see her in, and and she still got the twenty million somehow, and the fifteen million from NBC. I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, you know when you asked me if I was still, you know, if I were Megyn Kelly, uh, my answer to that question was yeah, I'd stay home and finger myself all day. But I realized that that wasn't what you were asking because your question was much more sophisticated and less crass than the one that I answered in my own head. But I think, and let me just say, if you were Megan Kelly, I'd stay home and finger you all day. 
<laughs> I don't know why that bothers me so much, but I appreciate, you know what, I appreciate the sentiment in some way, but, you know, for her, I, I kind of understand the taking less money to sort of try and, you know, go bigger, you know, I mean, look, if you look at it in terms of athletes, you know, this was her big contract, you know, the next contract she has, she'll be lucky to be a DH and, you know, maybe pinch hit once a week or something like that. I think that this was the big money. And instead of getting the big money, she's trying to win a championship, you know, so she went to the Yankees for less money. You know, she she could have she could have stayed in Tampa if she wanted to. Your direct sports re- reference today would be Kevin Durant going to Golden State to try and win it instead of Oklahoma City, where he could have made more money. He could have made more money. That's actually a more current, but that's basketball. And you know, Carl gets uncomfortable when we talk about the blacks. Uh, so, but uh, did you know that uh, New Zealand's national basketball team is, is called the Tall Blacks? Oh, it's the Tall. Is that a joke? That's or, not a joke. Because I know that there's a rugby team called the All Blacks. No, they're the Tall Blacks. They're the Tall Blacks. It's a bunny, is what it really is. But it's that's the real name, Tall Black. See, now that's amazing. I, that's amazing. How do they get away with that? It's New Zealand. You know, nobody. It, everybody's so much less uptight when they're not here. You know, you understand that, Carl. Carl, are you much of a world traveler? I've known you for so long, and I've known you to be a, a, a proud denizen of wrote not Rhode Island. I'm sorry, New Hampshire. You're Carl from New Hampshire, not Carl from Rhode Island. Uh, and you know, I know that there have been some, you know, Motel Sixes in Fort Lee and not things even. like, yeah, things like that. But have you have you traveled the world much, or do you feel like everything you need is pretty much in your own backyard? So have why you bother? Been to China? Have you, have you been to China? China, 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 China. China. Uh, let me just say that I am a very uh, fond of my state here and very much uh, a homeboy, but I have indeed been uh, around the country uh, at one time or another. I've been to England, I've been to Austria, I've been to Italy, I've been to German, Germany, I've been to Scotland. Yeah, so I've, so I've seen a few places there, bub. So all the countries filled with white people. Exactly. All right, no, I, I just wanted to make I sure. I didn't want to say it. I didn't <laughs> no. want to say it. <laughs> it's all right, yeah. So you've, you've never been to Asia, from what it sounds like. China. China, yeah. All right, so you have been to China. But... I don't know. I was just wondering because I feel like it was all a long time ago before uh, before the kids started uh, multiplying. If you oh, remember, yeah. oh. if you remember, if you remember the movie Gremlins, you know there were all the rules uh, for what not to do. Otherwise, they would multiply. You know, if you if you got them wet, they would multiply. If you fed them after midnight, they would turn into demons. I feel like you did both. I, I feel uh, like well, you know what? I'll, uh, you're so uh, so prescient of you to know that. Yes, all that traveling. All that world, whirlwind, world fun stuff was uh, before kids, as uh, as the as the great John Cleese said in Faulty Towers. Oh, fun! I remember that. <laughs> and uh, soon, uh, soon, Christian, uh, those words will ring so true to you. Nothing will kill your travel budget quicker than kids. It's true, but he's so little now that uh, we we actually took him to Vegas for four days and three nights right after Christmas, and he loved it. He had so much fun. Uh, he put ten large on the uh, Mets to win the World Series, and that's not going to oh. end well for him. But other than that, he had a great time. You know. Now, did you pay airfare or did you put him in a suitcase like that? I think I saw a few days ago in the news somebody tried to smuggle a sixteen-year-old kid out of. Uh, some horrific place. 
in a suitcase. Yeah, which will tell you what the place was like that they were willing to get into the suitcase. Like, yeah, yeah, even if I die in the suitcase, that'll be better than staying here. No, we drove because Vegas from L.A., it's about four hours or so. Well, it's four hours going there and nine and a half hours coming back. But, you know, the drive there is always great. And... My wife's parents had a timeshare that we stayed in, and uh, he just he just loved it. He loved the people watching. He loved all the lights. He loved eating in the fancy restaurants. He it was life changing for him to watch the fountains outside of the Bellagio. But you know, I feel like the older he gets, the more difficult this will be. And we've still never brought him on a plane. And we feel like 2017 is going to be the year that we aren't going to be able to keep making excuses for why we're not traveling with him. You know. I think we might actually have to go somewhere that involves airfare. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not my choice. It's just I, I think it's what's going to happen. So um, I'm sure you're right, though. And I'll think back on this moment where I was like, oh, no, no, I just took my kid to Vegas. Certainly I'll be able to stroll Paris at midnight and see the art on the wall and... On the streets and on the faces of the people? No, I'm never going to have to stay at home. But Well, you're probably you right. know, the, the, the big thing is, and I'm sure you're realizing this as a parent, uh, it's a whole new kind of love. And nothing says love more than allowing another person to vomit, uh, urinate, and defecate on you at will. You know, I, I had some relationships in college that uh, really, really rang true that way. Not all romantic either. I'm not, but... sure, I'm not sure that was love, Christian, but I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do think I know what you're saying. And uh, Jeff is writing some more things down as we mm -hmm. talk about, uh, you know, because Jeff is about to go to, you're about to go to Mexico for a week. See. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So the problem is going to be is that Carl's going to build that wall while you're down there. Like he's personally going to do it himself. Yeah. That's you're, fine. You're going to be fine. I'll just stay down there. You're like, the Wi-Fi will still be good. Yeah, I'm going to live on down in Mexico way. Hey, you know, I, th I think your uh, dollar goes a lot further there. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the one dollar you have, it will go very that far. That one dollar. That hey, one dollar. I'll live like a king <laughs> for that one dollar. And I don't know. I guess I've seen, you know, certainly my life has changed a fair amount uh, since I, I had a kid. Uh, a, a, I, since my wife gave birth, I, I didn't really do that much. Uh, Carl, after your wife had the first few kids, did you just stop going to the birth? Because it's like, I, I've seen it and, you know, I, I didn't enjoy it the first few times. Well, th listen, thankfully, Christian, uh, most of my children were born long before that hideous fad came into play of uh, husbands going in to witness the birth of their child. I mean, uh, no, I thankfully it was that not old school uh, of just chain smoking in the waiting room while the birth happened uh, well, the way a good father should. And please, I don't need to see a vagina do that. <laughs> okay, um, I don't know that I could ever go there again after seeing that. Yeah, uh, well, that, no. that's fair. There's yeah. a reason that nature created it that way. Population. Yeah, control. and there's a reason the doctors <laughs> have that huge drape there. I mean, yeah, it's not, so that you don't see it. Well, yeah, two things. Two things about that. I thought that what I would do is I would combine the modern day joy of childbirth with the old school from what you talked about. So I actually chain smoked in the delivery room. I thought that that was going to be great for Felix, mm -hmm. and you know I think he he lost four pounds yeah. the first day. Someone but so what? prefer a smaller baby. 
What I did, Christian, is I met my wife halfway. Now, our, our daughter is adopted, so I didn't have to endure any of that birthing stuff. But uh, my last son, uh, what I did, because she wanted me to watch and, and do like all the modern husbands do. And so what I did, I met her halfway, and I hired a claymation artist. I <laughs> uh, did a short 45-second uh, clip of uh, basically what the birth. And unfortunately, the the clip that they put together was somehow lost. So basically, they just showed you an old episode of Gumby and Pokey. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, I'm just imagining some weird Gumby shit. <laughs> and, and <laughs> that's the right. weirdest episode enough, of Gumby huh? ever. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's uh, uh, that's exactly how Gumby got that pointed head like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they used the forceps to uh, to to yes, pull him out. They, you know, the thing that I heard about, and I think that it's actually something that it's not far in the past but i don't think it's happening as much anymore but there was this whole notion of of filming the birth you know there'd be fathers that had whole plans yeah and, i had and, i had husbands who wanted to show me that shit yeah and i'm like look like, come on like, well, whoa whoa hold on buddy i mean you know you want to show me a trail cam that's one <laughs> thing you know, i don't mind seeing a porcupine walk by at two in the morning <laughs> i don't need to see your kid Bursting out of your wife's vagina, which right. is now opened like a bus door. <laughs> See, my thinking is that, look, if you want to show me nude photos of your wife, go right ahead. Just from any day other than that day. It could even be the day before. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm... You know, I'm an open-minded exactly. sort of guy, that's, that's but I just don't want to see it that day. And I don't understand, like, like she's not going to want to watch it. You're not going to want to see it again. And God forbid the kid sees it. So who is that actually for, the video of the birth? You know. And there you go. You know what? That is such an excellent point. Can you imagine if there was a film somewhere of you being born? Or I'm thinking of that now. If there was, of course, in my day and age, it would have been one of those old Kodak brownie, you know, Super 8. But... Uh, God, I would be horrified to know that there was a black and white film somewhere of me being, you know, uh, pushed out of my mother's vagina back in 1957. Well, now I have two things. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. The first Jeff. one is that uh, now I'm just imagining like a silent birth film with like <laughs> cue cards like, ouch, ouch, help me. That would actually be really funny because if you think of the old silent movies, you know, with with the, the title screens, they were always really fast and jumpy. Like mm -hmm. if you see like old baseball footage, they all move unnaturally. So first of all, that's a great idea. I, I'm going to put that in the in the dream journal for a project the, that I'll get to. The fraternity ward Zapruder film. Yeah. What was your other thought, Jeff? The second one is I think it's actually responsible parenting. If your kid eats poison and you need them to throw up immediately, you just put it on. <laughs> All right. Well, see, now that's something. See, you've figured out the silver lining and everything. You know, mm -hmm. having that disturbing video in the house. Anytime you want a party to end, like, hey, I've got something <laughs> to show you guys. Yeah, that's true. You make a bet. It's like, oh, I can clear out this party in five minutes. I don't know. There's like a hundred people that don't worry about it. Watch. Uh, you know, I didn't even film my wedding. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll just look at pictures. It's fine. You know, I, I didn't feel like I wanted the day to be, you know, about like, you know, I'm sorry. The light wasn't wrong. Can can you can you do that again? Yeah. You know? Good for you. Yeah. Good and, for you for having some old school common sense. That's some pictures. Yeah, I mean, look, and yeah. we we have a shit ton of pictures. Yeah, Jeff, you should write. Jeff's not writing this part down. I don't think Jeff's in a rush to get married, but uh, he's he's definitely in a rush to not have kids, though. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so he's and gonna Jeff, do. It. Don't don't forget to wear your American consulate sweatshirt when you go to Mexico. 
Will do. <laughs> uh, so... I actually have a t-shirt that says El Guapo. <laughs> El Guapo. Wait, Rich Garces? Yes. You know, that's, see, that's when you were in bad boy school. He was a, you know Rich Garces, right? You followed the Red Sox closely enough. Or oh, did you have too please. many kids at that point, Carl? Oh, no. Rich Garces. Absolutely. Yeah, he was he was called El Guapo. He's just a, he was a big fat um, Latino player. I actually don't know which country he was from. I, I don't want to generalize, but at the same point, the fact that I can't tell the difference probably between the Dominican Republic, probably the Dominican Republic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he he was just he was a middle reliever. You know, he's fine. He's a guy that you know usually will get a few outs when you want them, uh, and. I once was at, I think I talked about this in the podcast, I was at an interleague game, Red Sox-Mets at Shea Stadium with the, my friend Tim, who's been on the podcast, my old roommate Tim Sicardo, and the bases were loaded, there was one out, and the middle reliever spot in the order comes up, and he's like, well, of course, he's just going to leave the bat on his shoulder. And the immensely overweight El Guapo swings at the first pitch, Inning over. I think the game might have even ended on that moment. And he was like, great. So the one thing that he had to not do, is, because then he had to run. And, you know, the the Mets have had Bartolo Colon on their team for the last couple of years. And, and he's a big boy. And he's also a busy boy with some secret families and whatnot. But uh, it's entertaining. But th- I don't even think this guy was able to, you know, have a jog. You know, and that's the, that's the great thing about baseball. He gets one of those Walmart carts to get to first base. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think baseball has really sort of eased our mental image of what it takes to be an athlete. You know, what athletes are, it, it's not what it used to be. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's it, it's not Johnny Unitas. You know, it's look, it's not even Tom Brady as great as he is. You don't have to be Tom Brady. You you can be an athlete, and I don't I don't know. I mean, you could. You could look like us, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you because you're younger, but you know. <laughs> no, see, that's the beauty of baseball is you could be playing baseball right now. I could, I guess. I mean, I'm 40. There's, 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 there's plenty there's, of 40 year old baseball. There's players. a job for yeah, you know. And and Carl, you could probably be pitching in Japan at 57. That seems likely. Uh, when you say pitching in Japan, you mean baseball, or are you talking about in a gay relationship? I was talking about both, but you could choose oh. whichever one you prefer. Hey, wasn't Trump almost a uh, a big league ball player? Didn't he have a shot at it? Or I know he's played with a lot of big balls, but I don't <laughs> know. Aren't you confusing uh, him with Fidel Castro? Actually, <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, There's was some... Trump really that good of an athlete? That because it's yeah, I think I think I, I think uh, uh, I think he was a pretty good ball player and had a had a shot or something. You know, we're talking about Japan, and one of the things that we've done on the Blackcast over the years, although we haven't done it recently, is I'll often end up with uh, jokes that I write for one thing or another that that don't get that don't get used. But Carl, I like to think you would appreciate this one, so I'd I'd like to share a joke with you. So it'll be sort of a a natural progression in our our talking about the world and current events. And uh, so I, let, let me let me throw this one by you. Uh, this... Let me savor this like a <laughs> rare cheese. Uh, Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe will make history by becoming the first Japanese leader to visit Pearl Harbor later this month. He plans to arrive without notice very early on a Sunday morning while everyone is still asleep. No? Uh, you know, I think uh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. All right. That's 
The, that's rare. All right. Well, then I'll I'll go with a uh, with a less controversial uh, joke then to try and save it from that one. Uh, I Listen, knew I, I think I think if you wait another three weeks, all the Pearl Harbor survivors will be dead, and then I think you're safe to do that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, a new app has been launched called Air Dates that works like Tinder and will allow passengers on the same flights to flirt and possibly hook up. Because as we all know, the one thing that's been missing from internet dating is a complete and utter inability to leave. <laughs> All right, that one that one went over a little bit better. I, no, I, I like that. I like that. All right, Je- Jeff is is just thinking about like, hey, that would make the flight go a little bit. Uh, It'd be nice. It seems like a terrible idea, though. You know, internet dating on an airplane. I think there's a lot of things that can go wrong. You know. Yeah, that's like, hey, fella, why don't you be <laughs> ten feet from me, and then when we leave, I can have a bunch of my belongings and disappear, and people would conceivably believe that I've just left somewhere. <laughs> Um, or you could follow me home where I'm probably going or like, that just seems real sketchy. Uh, it's very sketchy. And I don't know how well air dates has worked. Plus but, like, uh, what's the, what, is this just like the mile high club? <laughs> like I, cause they, it said hook up, right? Yeah. Said well, that, flirt and, then, and possibly, and possibly hook up. So yes, I think that's, uh, I feel like that only works on like those airplanes that have staircases and lounges, right? Like you, right. there better be some space on this plane. Cause I, yeah, that who was, are all these people in the mile high club? Every commercial flight I've been on, it's all I can do to get my wang out to take a leak in that mm-hmm. fucking tiny little bathroom in there. Who are the people getting it on in there? And air dating, the last thing we need is an app that encourages conversation on an airplane. Mm. Awful. Plus, Awful aren't you supposed idea. to have your phone off anyway? Yeah, that's a great point. You, you shouldn't be using your phone. That's supposedly you know detrimental to the safety of everyone on board. Everybody fuck off. I got <laughs> to get my nut. Uh, you know... Carl, uh, as our uh, conversation will start to dwindle down now, I want to uh, do something that I know is really important to you and you're very adept at. I want to promote your online presence, Carl from NH.com, at Carl from NH on Twitter, where I think you actually tweeted... Uh, the day before Pearl Harbor, you know, I, I think that that actually is is why you feel like it's too soon. Did I really? Did no. I tweet? When, when's my last tweet? It's a great question. I, I'll look I it mean, up. I mean, I've tweeted like, man, ten times, I think total. But it doesn't it doesn't really do much for your life, right? The the, the whole Twitter thing. It's it's not really for you. Actually, you know what? You actually tweeted a bunch in 2016, and Oh my goodness! So you're like Hillary's debate prep. If only she had thought this hard about Benghazi, or Obamacare, or Libya, or Monica, or veterans. Oh, that was my tweet. Or yeah. the IRS scandal, or her missing emails, and then all of a sudden, nothing until November 18th, and then you just typed in AKA Twitter freak. You know what? My tweeting patterns should be a concern to the FBI. Because you see what happens, they come in like little Twitter orgasms. Like there'll be a little, I'll get all worked up about something, there'll be a little blast of tweets, and then there'll be nothing for a year and a half. <laughs> that should be a cause of concern, I think, for everybody. It should, but you have 203 followers. Don't you think you should try and entertain them occasionally? Do I really have that many? Yeah, and you're, wow. you're following 96 people, so you have more people following you than you are following. That is so odd. Well, I have to tell you that... Uh, that Trump has certainly made me reconsider the value of tweeting. I mean, this guy is a 
Twitter maniac. And do you think it's going to continue when he's president? Because I do at this point. I thought it wouldn't. You know, I think a lot of people, when they become president, the idea of suddenly being able to reach people online from the at POTUS, the official president of the United States Twitter, would be appealing. I'm pretty sure at POTUS has less followers than at real Donald Trump. So I feel like he's just going to like let the office handle that, and he's going to keep sending it from his real one. You know, I, I don't think he wants much like people wondered if the White House would be good enough for him. I don't know about that. But I do know that the POTUS Twitter account is definitely not as impressive a- as his. Well, I can tell you uh, beginning January 21st, uh, every day will be Christmas for the next four years. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But Twitter, I just looked at it. Donald Trump has 19.1 million followers and at POTUS has 13.1. So wow. now I think that you'll probably lose some with the advent of a change in administration, which I think would happen in either direction. However, I think that you'll get a bunch of more people who add. So it'll be interesting to see. This is what I will use as my barometer. I won't have any real thoughts of my own. I won't consider the issues. I won't take anything seriously. I'm using air quotes over seriously. I'll just look. Who's got who's got more Twitter followers? You know, when he's just like at Barry Obama, how many is he going to have when he's a private citizen? Probably a lot, but I don't know. I, I don't know any of these things. Uh, why do you think every day will be like Christmas when Trump is president? Is it because there's a, a rich old white guy in charge who doesn't no, have a beard? I didn't, no, I just I think it's going to be fascinating because I don't think there's going to be any downtime on things happening. I, I just I think this guy has his, his sleeves rolled up. And it's all brand new. It may be great. It may be a disaster. I'm not sure yet. But the one thing for certain is it's just going to be unlike anything we've ever seen, just like the campaign was. So I I think it's going to be fascinating. I mean, the most fascinating part of Obama's entire presidency has been the last three weeks, just watching him try to uh, cobble together a quote-unquote legacy by – just macheting down all these new regulations and closing Gitmo, all the stuff he's wanted to do. I have not seen the guy work as hard in eight years as he has the last three weeks. Well, I would say that for Obama, it's basically the end of high school and you were told you got into a good college and then someone from the college told you, he's like, you know, you actually, uh, you couldn't, blow off the last semester as hard as you did so you're actually gonna have to raise your gpa a little bit if you actually want to get into the school so then you know it's all of a sudden you actually one have to show up and be there you have to study a little bit harder but more than that you know you have to you have to have some results uh you know but look he still has the kegger on the weekends i mean if you look at some of the parties he's had his last big hurrah at the white house so um you know, this is this is a a fledgling bit in my head, by the way. This is not something that Carl and I did not prepare for this conversation. You know, there, there was one topic that Carl sent to me, and that was about the movie Sing. Uh, the rest of it, we've just been flying by the seat of our pants. And you know what, Absolutely. Carl? That's why you and I are not going to take over the world because we didn't prepare. <laughs> <laughs> and and we have no intentions. No, we have no intentions to prepare. Bigger problem. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think that it's. It's a fascinating turn of events that Donald Trump is going to be president, mostly because no one thought it was going to happen. I legitimately believe that on that day he didn't think it was going to happen, even though he was hopeful. And, you know, you and I talked about this when I was on your radio show. 
it was not something I expected. It's not something that I was particularly comfortable with. Uh, no. As as time has no. gone by, I've gotten no. a little bit more it's comfortable like, because I like, have to. It's like Ricky Roma from Glen Gary Glen Ross is <laughs> Of course, no one's comfortable. But what I did like, and you and I, and you and I talked about this, and we've talked a little bit on the podcast, is the people who were so upset by it. It was that was really entertaining, you know. Look, a lot of people were upset by it, but the people in the media who were upset, you know, the the Rachel Maddow's gasping, the Stephen Colbert's borderline crying, you know, Martha Raddatz didn't, he couldn't even talk, and I'm like, I kind of like that part, you know. We'll look back. We'll think what we I, think know, at that point. You know what's fascinating is that the other side doesn't get that uh, the way they're looking at Trump as just, a, you know, this is a completely batshit crazy idea. How did this guy get elected? It's the same way that a lot of people looked at Barack Obama, and not because of the color of his skin, but because he'd never done anything. He was a Harvard professor, a short-term senator, no practical experience in foreign policy or, or running a business or anything. So... I think, you know, half the country was just as flabbergasted eight years ago as the other half is now. So it's just flipped. And, yeah, I revel in that a little bit. I love seeing these other people uh, go crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I I think there's a very strong possibility that uh, he may be a president for the ages. And uh, if that happens, I'll be uh, I'll be happy for the country. I'll be happy for everybody. If it doesn't, I'll go, well. I opted for bad shit crazy, and uh, that's what we've got. Yeah. Know? Hey, look, if you know if it doesn't go well, then you'll look back and go like, all right, so that's what happens when you do bad shit crazy. All right, you know what? We we tried. We we tried that route. We had gone some other. We had taken some other directions in the past. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I don't know. I think that I like the idea that he's going to take to heart the idea that everyone says how terrible he'll be, and he's like. Oh no! I'll show them. Not only can I win, I can actually be—I can actually be good at it. I, I don't know that that's what's going to happen. You know, but, you know uh, I try I to be positive. Trump, and I've used this analogy for the last year and a half. He reminds me of Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when he breaks everybody out. He puts them on the boat. Uh, we all go out and go fishing. There's no one driving the boat. Jack's downstairs banging some broad, and all the crazy people are on deck with their fishing lines tangled up. But we're all having fun. That. That's the deal right now. We may end up back in the harbor and drag back into our loony bins. But for right now, uh, it's a beautiful day on the ocean. You know, throughout all of it, I'm going to be Chief Broom. All right. I'm, I'm just going to be I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to tend to myself. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to we'll watch. Let, we'll let Jeff be Brad Dourif. <laughs> I want to be the big silent Indian chief. That's who Chief Broom is. So I've already Fuck taken you. him. So you have to be someone else. No. <laughs> We can both be him. You can sit on my shoulders, and then we'll really be him. <laughs> that's true. That, that's basically what it would take. Uh, Carl, look, I think that uh, as the next few years unfold, we'll have to continue to talk about all this stuff. You know, I didn't want to have too heavy of a political conversation, but I felt like it was a good opportunity to talk a little bit about this with the, the verge. We're on the verge of Generation Trump. You know, I think uh, that... That's basically, you know, we have we have Generation X, the Millennials. There's all these things. I think that my son Felix, for better or for worse, is going to be part of Generation Trump because whether he's president for four years or eight years, the time after that is going to be very strongly influenced by what happens these next four years. So Reagan it, baby, 
What's that? Yeah, right, right there. And and uh, Jeff pointed at himself. He's a Reagan baby. I I I was born while uh, Gerald Ford was still president. Nice. And uh, the end of my birth year, uh, Jimmy Carter was elected. So you know, look. Sometimes the president does not make the man. That's what I like to say. Sometimes you're falling on your nuts. <laughs> yes, well, sometimes that happens. But, uh, Carl, I do appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And I feel like your daughter probably did need you to go out and get something for her homework. But unlike last time, you were like, no, I can't do this to the black ass two times in a row. I'm going to stay home. So she will fail out of school, won't she? She may fail out of school, but it was worth it not to miss another black cast. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, uh, just by coincidence, I learned how to use Skype. So for me, this has been a big evening. You didn't even realize you had a Skype. I looked you up on Skype and told you what your username was, and that freaked you out a little bit. But uh, I haven't used it for so long. You know, the last time I used it, you remember Michael Graham, the radio dude. I think you guys had him on a few yeah, times. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Boston. And that's when I was last using Skype, when I was doing a Friday segment with Michael. He was the last guy to force me uh, to use <laughs> Skype. But two great things happened tonight. I got to learn how to use Skype, and I will forever picture you as uh, Megan Kelly fingering yourself. <laughs> oh. Well, see, Jeff had forgotten about that, and, and now I've had two people throw up on me today. So you see... It wasn't a loss at all. It was a great, fun-filled, fun-for-the-whole-family blackcast. Carl from New Hampshire. Carl from NH.com. At Carl from NH on Twitter. But also, Carl, if somebody tries to friend you on Facebook, just Carl's on, they look you up, you're going to say yes. You're not going to big-time them, right? You'll let people be your friends on Facebook. Yeah, everyone, you? I let everybody be my friend. Yeah. See, that's what, that's what I like. And that's because you're a man of the people. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, at least. Yeah. Oh, no, no. In person, you'll turn the other way. You know, you'll possibly engage in fisticuffs if someone says, hey, yes, aren't you Carl? In, in, in real life, I have one close friend. Yeah. Who's that? I can't mention his name. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Uh, <laughs> even, even he doesn't know you're a Trump supporter. Wouldn't and, be fair to him. Wouldn't yeah. be fair to him. Uh, all right, Carl. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great having you on. It's, we always appreciate you being on the podcast. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll have we'll have the whole gang back together, and uh, we'll engage in more tomfoolery. But uh, I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Christian, always a pleasure. Uh, all my love to you and your family and your little kid, and you're always welcome on the show. So anytime, man. Absolutely. And uh, my love to your family, except for one kid. Uh, you can pick out which one. That's the one I don't like. Okay, I already know what you're talking about. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. And that's All our right, friend. Roger. That's uh, our friend Carl's on. Thank stay you. Blatt. Stay Oh, stay blat. Now I like that. Did you did you think of that a while ago, or just have now. you been just now? Uh, All right. Well, uh, for because we're out of time. So for Jeff DeRay, at Jeff DeRay on the Twitter and the Instagram, and at Christian DMZ on the Twitter and the Instagram. Of course, Blackcast on Twitter, Blackcast on Instagram, Blackcast.com. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything that you were taking notes feverishly during the course of this conversation? You learned uh, that you, you need to pull out and yeah. uh, uh, don't film down there and <laughs> expect to watch it again. Uh, personally, look, some people film their weddings because they have actually watched them again. I just knew me. Like I had, I had a friend with a with one of those little flip phone cameras. It's not even flip phone cameras, like a flip camera before cameras were in your phones. Mm -hmm. That's how long ago I got married. Two thousand nine. You don't even remember. You were so young Jeez. back then. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. But uh, you know, that's fine. I haven't even watched that, so I'm glad I didn't ruin everybody else's night. So if and when you get married. To, uh, to Agent Romanov or someone else, 
just you know just live in the moment that's what i'm trying to tell you will do I feel like I'm the guy who would not give a shit about any of those things. Like, oh, don't you want to, like, cherish this day? I'm like, no. no. I'm good. <laughs> well, we'll talk about all that and more next time on the Blackcast. Ding. That's what, that's what happens when you don't bring it. Yep. That was my reverse belt.